Hi, it's Vanessa. All of us at ParCast want to thank you for your continuing support throughout the year. ParCast could not be what it is today without you. We also wanted to give you a heads up that we're taking a break for the holidays and we won't be back until after the new year. But since the season is all about giving, we do have something special lined up for the next two weeks, so be sure to tune in. In the meantime, enjoy the season, and we'll be back the first week of January with your regular programming. Have a happy and safe new year. A warning, this episode features dramatizations and discussions of violence and gore. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Also something to note, the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of a single myth about Yola Kutcherin. Today's episode combines research from Icelandic and Scandinavian stories for dramatic effect. Welcome to Mythical Monsters, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and each week I explore some of the most horrifying creatures of myth and legend. Our show dives into the origins of these beasts to discover why humankind feared them for centuries and what about them still leaves us terrified today. Today's episode is about Yola Kutterin, the Icelandic Christmas cat. Also called the Yule cat, this beast is not your typical household feline. Instead of mice, this cat's favorite victims are children who fail to finish their chores before Christmas. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Coming up, the warning hiss of the Yule cat. Looking to refresh your closet, home, or beauty routine this spring? Walmart's got all the stylish goods in one stop. From chic new looks and the latest makeup to quality furniture and tableware. Go to walmart.com slash now trending. That's walmart.com slash now trending for the hottest fashion, home, and beauty finds. Your style at Walmart. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the dim. It go down. It go down in the dim. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-patrollable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. 
That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. You all know the Yule Cat, and that cat was huge indeed. People didn't know where he came from or where he went. The verse is from the 1932 poem Yola Kutcherin by Icelandic poet Johannes Ur Kutlum. There are written accounts of the Yule Cat as early as the 19th century, but Kutlum's poem brought attention to a relatively obscure Christmas creature. Yola Kutterin is a massive, ravenous cat who comes down from his mountainside home every Christmas time to feast on lazy children. Yola Kutterin comes out at night when his black fur can blend with the darkness. He prowls around the villages of Iceland, peering into homes to see what gifts children receive on Christmas Eve. If he notices they've gotten a new item of clothing, the feline assumes the child worked hard during the year. But if their clothes are frayed and worn, the cat will assume the child is lazy and gobble them up that very night. Yola Kutterin's appetite for children is shared by his owner, the Ogress Grilla, who's been eating naughty kids since the 13th century. The idea of a violent creature who enforces children's good behavior at Christmas time is common in Scandinavian lore. The centuries-old legend of Krampus, for instance, is a more well-known Scandinavian Christmas monster. However, in a tradition specific to Iceland, children who finish their chores receive new clothes, which is why old clothes are meant to indicate a child's poor work ethic. And while Yola Kutterin's malevolence is focused on lazy children, there is another group at risk of being gobbled up by the Yule Cat, poor children from families without the means for new clothes in the first place. It's already sad not to have money for new things, but to be eaten for it feels like an extra layer of classist brutality. This made working-class children the perfect victims for the Yule Cat, especially if they were already naughty to begin with. Margriet considered herself wise beyond her 12 years, but that didn't mean she didn't have time for a little mischief. Her attention was on the mantle above the fireplace as she hid a wooden baby Jesus under the Mary figure's skirt. She chuckled at the wool fabric protruding outwards. It looked as though Mary had quite the robust figure. Her mother, Ertla, burst into their small, dusty home with a worn box of ornaments. She set them down in front of their tiny evergreen tree. It was a pathetic-looking thing with pine needles only on one side, but it had been the nicest tree in the nearly barren grove. Margriet stared at it with loathing. Nothing grew on their shoddy land. Ertla snapped her fingers at Margriet and gestured for her to start decorating. It was tradition that they decorate the tree at the start of Christmas Eve, and Margriet's mother was a very traditional woman. Margriet sighed at the faded ornaments her mother pulled from the box. They were the same ones they'd had for years. 
Margaret's family hadn't been able to afford anything new since her father died five years ago. The farm had fallen into disrepair, and the sheep didn't produce much wool. Her brother Gunnar did his best running the farm, and they managed to get by, but the days of prosperity were long gone. Margaret wrinkled her nose as an old piece of tinsel fell apart in Ertla's hands. If they had to put this garbage on the tree, she'd rather not have anything at all. Margaret snorted and said, We might as well decorate with sheep droppings. Ertla looked at her in horror. The widow was strict about good manners. Margaret rolled her eyes. It seemed unfair that they were one of the poorest families in the village and the most uptight. Ertla opened her mouth to scold her daughter, but was interrupted by a laugh. Margaret's elder brother Gunnar stood beside the nativity scene. He'd lifted Mary's skirt and pulled baby Jesus from under it. He looked to Margaret, amused. Interesting. You put him back where he came from. Ertla gasped and hurried to the scene, gently placing Jesus back in his cradle. She glared at Margaret and demanded to know where her respect was. Margaret retorted, Oh, I don't know. Maybe my respect is down the street in the big house with the new ornaments. Ertla looked hurt and Margaret immediately regretted her words. But her mother shook her head abruptly and changed the subject, asking Margaret if she'd finished spinning her wool. Margaret sighed. Of course she hadn't. Her mind ran through possible excuses, but before she had time to give one, Gunnar offered to finish anything Margaret had not. She should have thanked him, but the proposal annoyed her. She'd rather do her own work than have the perfect Gunnar save the day. He was only a year older, but her brother had somehow mastered the ability to do everything right. He'd held this house together after father died, while according to Ertla, Margaret had torn it apart. He was everything the ideal child should be, and Margaret hated him for it. Ertla smiled warmly at her son. As expected, she thanked him, but told him that it was Margaret's task. She had to carry her share of the work for the family. Ertla sighed. It has not been an easy year. We need all the wool we can get, and Margaret needs to contribute, or else she should not expect any new clothes tonight. Gunnar playfully nudged Margaret and said, Better start weaving, Margaret. We don't want the Yule Cat to get you. Margaret felt her tongue stick out at her brother before she could stop it. Yola Cutterin was a fairy tale, a huge cat that ate lazy children. She hadn't believed in the stupid story since last year, when she was a naive 11-year-old. But the threat of no new clothes was a very real danger. She already knew the village children mocked her for her worn shoes and shabby winter wear. The only thing that saved her was the even poorer Helga. The girl lived in a one-room shack and always seemed to have dirt on her face. Any ridicule directed towards Margaret paled in comparison to the way they taunted Helga.
Marguerite pouted as she spun yarn in the tiny bedroom. A basket of separated, washed wool sat at her feet, but it was only half full, and she still had a long way to go. She glanced out the window, hearing the distant laughter of the village children outside. She bit her lip. Marguerite knew it wasn't just about finishing her chores. If they didn't have enough spun wool, there likely wouldn't be any new clothes or even enough to buy Christmas dinner from the market. But not going out to play meant that the others would know poor, wretched Marguerite was inside working. Marguerite fidgeted unable to resist the pull of the laughter outside. She reasoned she'd already done most of the work. After all, separating the wool was the most time-consuming part. She could finish spinning after Christmas. For now, she'd just hide what she hadn't completed. So Marguerite shoved the basket beneath the tattered blankets on her bed, then carried the supposedly finished yarn to her mother. That night, they sat before the tree. Marguerite's face was chapped red from the snow, and her spirits were high. She'd gotten some work done and was still able to play with the village children. They'd already gotten their new Christmas Eve clothes, and Marguerite was eager to receive hers. But when Ertla walked into the room, she only had one package in her hand. She handed it to Gunnar and took a seat by the fire. Marguerite's jaw dropped. She searched her mother's face and was met with Ertla's cool response. I found your basket, Marguerite. You didn't finish your wool. Ertla shook her head, her eyes suddenly tearful. I'm sorry, but you do not deserve a gift this Christmas Eve. Marguerite bit her lip to hold in an outburst as her hands shook with anger. She watched Gunnar unwrap his present. It was a wool hat in a beautiful, soft green, just like Gunnar's eyes. Marguerite's stomach clenched with envy. Of course Gunnar got a gift. This hat had been made long before she'd hid the wool, long before her mother would have known he'd finished his work. Marguerite knew this meant her mother loved Gunnar more. He reminded her of her dead husband, while she thought Marguerite was just a wicked brat. Gunnar shot a guilty glance at Marguerite, then thanked their mother. Ertla smiled and bustled over to the hearth where their meager supper was cooking. Gunnar and Marguerite sat in silence for a moment before Marguerite jabbed nastily, you think that will fit your massive head? Gunnar shrugged and teased, At least I'll be safe from Yola Cutterin. Marguerite's eyes filled with tears and her cheeks burned with humiliation. Gunnar immediately apologized, I was joking, Margie, it's just a tale. Marguerite knew it was just a tale. What she was really worried about was the mockery she'd face from the other children when they saw she was wearing the same ratty old clothes. There would be chatter about how she couldn't even afford to spare wool on a new sock. Now she was as poor as Helga. Gunnar stood to help their mother clean up supper, leaving Marguerite alone to her thoughts and his new green hat on the chair by the Christmas tree. 
Marguerite looked at the window. It had begun to snow outside, and wind battered the glass pane. Her pulse raced as she thought about how unfair it all was, and before she knew what she was doing, she'd snatched Gunnar's hat from the chair. She held it to her face, breathing in its newness. Its threads were full and sturdy. Its hem was neat and unpulled. When Gunnar returned, Marguerite quickly shoved the hat under her legs and smiled innocently. He looked at her with a saintly sigh. Next year, you'll have learned your lesson, Margie, and I'll see to it that you get something, too. He was trying to be nice, but his words felt like a condescending slap. Marguerite tensed when he went to sit down and saw the hat was gone. But instead of reprimanding Marguerite, he gave her a knowing smile. She looked away in embarrassment. Marguerite heard a hiss from outside. It was a strange kind of sound, first distinct and then it faded with the howling wind. She frowned and looked at Gunnar. He'd heard it too. She hesitated, but Gunnar confidently strode to the front door and opened it. The wind blew in a gust of snow, but all the open door revealed was the dark night. Marguerite moved to stand beside Gunnar. Together, they stared out at the bleak snowscape and the surrounding woods. Marguerite shivered, clutching the hat tighter. Neither of them noticed two large yellow orbs appear amid the snow-capped trees beside the house. They were eyes, and they belonged to a massive black cat crouched in the darkness. Marguerite and Gunnar were wrong. Yola Kutterin wasn't just a tale, and the Yule Cat had taken an interest in this home, especially the lying, lazy girl who lived inside. Coming up, the Yule Cat chooses its victim. Hi, listeners. It's Vanessa. If you haven't had a chance to check out the entertaining new podcast, Blind Dating, now's the time to binge what you've missed before catching all new episodes every Wednesday. In this Spotify original from Parcast, we're expanding the places you can meet your match with a twist you'll never see coming. Join host Tara Michelle as she introduces one hopeful single to two strangers in a voice-only call. Through a series of illuminating games and questions, the trio will get to know one another without the distraction of appearances. But once the cameras are turned on, is personality still enough for these strangers to fall for each other? Or will they say farewell? Connect with new episodes of Blind Dating every Wednesday. You can find and follow Blind Dating free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the story. His whiskers sharp as bristles, his back arched up high, and the claws of his hairy paws were a terrible sight. Johannes Urkutlam's verse conjures a frightening image, which is unusual considering how popular cats are in Iceland today. The cat appeared in Iceland as early as 870 CE with its first settlers. 
Over the years, these cats were domesticated, and in the 1920s, when Iceland banned pet dogs due to high cases of tapeworms, the cat only grew in popularity. Today in Reykjavik, cats roam the streets, not as strays, but as house pets that scamper home each day. Icelanders commonly welcome cats into their homes, which makes it all the more unsettling when stories highlight their dark side. Scandinavian mythology is full of cats. Take, for instance, the ghoul cat, an Icelandic feline that lives beneath the ground in cemeteries and rises to attack humans with its lethal gaze. There are also the witches and wizards of Scandinavian myth who are known to conjure cats as familiars or servants to do their bidding. If a mythical and moral code needs enforcing in Iceland, there's likely no better animal for the job than cats. Just a glance at a cat curled up beside you, watching your every move, may inspire you to behave yourself. Perhaps if ungrateful little Margaret had a house cat watching her, she might not have stolen her brother's brand new Christmas hat and provoked the ire of the Yule cat. Margaret shot out of bed. It was Christmas morning and she couldn't wait to get dressed because that morning she had something new to wear. She grabbed Gunnar's green hat from under her pillow and jammed it on her head. She smiled. It certainly looked foolish with her pajamas, but it would really spiff up her old wool jacket. Margaret pulled her coat on quickly, eager to get outside and show off the hat to her friends. But she paused as she passed Gunnar's bed. He lay still, buried under a pile of furs and wool scraps. She frowned. He usually didn't sleep this late. As she stared at his sleeping lump, she felt a wave of guilt. It was Christmas, and instead of giving, all she had done was take. She touched the hat and sighed. She knew she owed him an apology, and maybe his hat back. She tentatively called his name, but he didn't move. Then she gently touched his shoulder and the blankets fell away. It wasn't Gunnar at all beneath the covers, but rather her unfinished basket of wool. Margaret stared at it, confused. Then her mouth twisted bitterly. He was probably off running Christmas errands for their mother. Typical goody-two-shoes Gunnar. Margaret hid the hat beneath her skirt before hurrying to the kitchen, where Ertla bustled about. As soon as she saw Margaret, Ertla snapped. It is Christmas, and we don't have much for a feast. I need to be creative, so please stay out of my way today. Margaret didn't need to be told twice. She bundled up and ran outside. The snow was fresh and the air crisp. She could hear children laughing from the road in the distance. She put on the new cap and walked quickly towards the sound. Margaret emerged from the woods to find three young girls playing in the snow. As soon as she stepped onto the road, she was met with a snowball to the face. She gasped at the cold, sharp sting, but then one of them shouted that they loved her new hat. Margaret smiled, swelling with confidence. 
Laughing, she threw a snowball back. An amiable fight broke out, and Marguerite forgot about her worry for Gunnar. Snow flew left and right, and the air around them was full of shrieks and giggles. When Helga, a small, timid girl, appeared from the woods and asked to join, Marguerite was relieved to see her. Her threadbare furs looked new compared to Helga's rags. Marguerite's friends eyed one another and shook their heads. To be seen with Helga was to be teased mercilessly by the other children. Marguerite joined them in their refusal, but watched guiltily as Helga sadly wandered off. Marguerite felt bad, but she knew she'd be ostracized for sticking up for poor, dirty Helga. The only thing that had saved her from ridicule today was the stolen hat. The sun began to sink low in the sky, and Marguerite realized she'd been playing for hours. Her skin felt burnt from the cold, and even her most exuberant friends were beginning to tire. It was time to go home for a Christmas feast. Marguerite was looking forward to it. She had no doubt Gunnar would be there when she returned, and she intended to give back his hat. She'd enjoyed showing it off to her friends, but she hadn't earned it. The burden was weighing on her. Marguerite started home, eager to sit in front of the fire and warm herself, and to make things right with her brother. It was Christmas, after all, and Christmas wasn't the time to be nasty to her family, no matter how much they infuriated her. A low hiss cut through the quiet of the forest. Marguerite looked around uneasily. She could see the faint light of her house through the trees, and she'd walked this route hundreds of times. But the trees suddenly seemed taller, and the evening light seemed darker. She didn't know why, but her heart began to pound. She hustled homeward, but another, louder hiss stopped her in her tracks. She whipped around, trying to find its source. That was no barn cat yowling for food. It was something bigger. Marguerite wasn't one to wait around for something bad to happen. She broke into a run, but after a few strides, her foot caught on something soft and she careened to the snowy ground. She looked at what had tripped her. It was a wool sheet, half buried in the snow. Marguerite stared at it curiously. She didn't know anyone that would throw away precious wool. She grabbed it and shook it out, noticing a large red stain in its center. She dropped it with a gasp. Blood. Another hiss reverberated through the forest, and Marguerite's stomach flipped. She looked around desperately, seeing nothing but the woods and the dark mountaintop visible over the pines. But there was something strange about the image. She frowned, unable to place it. And then she realized what it was. Her mouth went dry, and a scream caught in her throat. There wasn't usually a mountain there. Marguerite stared at the still, dark peak in horror when two yellow eyes shot open on its face like glowing lanterns floating in the night. 
Then the darkness shifted to reveal sharp, glistening teeth. Marguerite realized the mountain was no mountain. It was an enormous cat. Coming up, Marguerite faces the Yule Cat and finds out what happened to Gunnar. Now back to the story. He picked on the very poor that no new garments got for Yule, who toiled and lived in dire need. This verse of Johannes Urkutlum's poem points out the unfair impact the terror of the Yule Cat has on poor children. For no wealthy child had to worry about getting new clothes for Christmas, but this is because the spirit behind this threat wasn't just for children. Originally, the Yule Cat was a menace to the lower class, who were essential in making the warm clothing that was a necessity in Iceland. But in medieval times, Icelanders didn't just wear wool, they were also paid in it. And having enough wool to sustain your needs meant that you had to work hard during the year. Icelandic sheep farmers originally warned of the Yule Cat in an effort to urge their workers to reach their quota by Christmas. Those who worked overtime received new clothes, and those who didn't meet expectations were labeled as lazy. The workers likely adapted this threat as a warning to their own children when they failed to finish their chores. However, there is a softer side of the Yola Cutter in tail, for the cat can be moved by generosity. It's said that if you give your garments to those less fortunate, the Yule Cat might show mercy. But if you are both lazy and selfish, you may hope the cold gets you before Yola Cutterin does. So how would self-centered little Marguerite prove her generosity to the Yule Cat? The icy wind hit Marguerite's face, but the tremors that coursed through her body had nothing to do with the frigid air. She was frozen with fear, staring up at the enormous cat towering before her. Yola Cutterin was real. The cat let out a thunderous yowl, jolting Marguerite from her terrified stupor. She looked towards her home. The light from the fire inside was like a beacon of safety, beckoning to her from about 60 yards away. She could make it. She had to. Marguerite ran. She leapt over shrubs and around rocks. The ground shook beneath her, and she realized that Yola Cutterin was in pursuit. Her foot hit a rock, sending her sprawling. As she hit the frozen ground, she looked up just in time to see the cat's massive paw swiping towards her. Marguerite rolled to the side to dodge the blow, but she gasped as she accidentally sent herself tumbling into a shallow gully. Her body picked up speed as she rolled down the sloped side, and then she hit something soft and wet at the bottom. Her hands felt around the snow, trying to figure out what had broken her fall when she touched a cold, sludgy surface. Her hand sunk into its softness, and she recoiled. It looked like some kind of animal carcass. Her hands cleared some of the snow away to reveal 
Gunnar's wide-eyed, dead stare. Margriette screamed and fell backwards. Her brother's corpse stared vacantly at her. Below his neck, his body had been ripped to shreds. Margriette choked back sobs and struggled to breathe. The Yule Cat had found its Christmas feast. But why? Yola Cutterin went after the lazy. It should have been her the cat wanted. Gunnar had done nothing wrong. Margriette was terrified, but her grief would have to wait if she wanted to make it home alive. Yola Cutterin's paw lashed out again from the darkness, just missing Margriette. She yelped and staggered to her feet to dash down the length of the gully, the rabid hiss of the giant cat right behind her. She realized Yola Cutterin was forcing her to flee in the wrong direction. She was now running away from her house. Dread punched her in the gut as she realized the only thing ahead of her was the dark, foreboding woods. Well, not the only thing. Helga's sad little hut wasn't far from here. It was the closest shelter Margriet could think of, so she quickened her pace. As she ran, the trees around her cracked under the weight of the Yule Cat's massive body. Its yowls filled the night air, making her skin crawl. Margriet felt a sudden, blazing pain rip through the back of her head, and she fell to the ground. Her face slammed into the snow, and Gunnar's wool cap dropped beside her. She lifted a shaking hand to feel the nape of her neck, and when she looked at her fingers, she saw they were covered in blood. The cat's claw had nicked her. Her eyes moved to Gunnar's cap, sitting forlornly in the snow, the stolen hat. Margriet realized that because she'd taken it, the Yule Cat must have thought that Gunnar was the one who'd gone without new clothes and attacked him for being the lazy one. She frowned. So why was he attacking her? Perhaps Gunnar had not tasted as delicious as the wicked do, or maybe Gunnar's death was only the beginning of Margriet's punishment. Margriet looked around frantically, but there was no sign of the cat. Despite his giant size, Yola Cutterin had somehow faded into the night. And yet she knew he was watching her every move, playing with her like a house cat stalking a mouse. Margriet's head pounded as a million thoughts flooded her mind at once. Yola Cutterin hated the lazy, but the cat also admired those who were charitable. Hope surged through Margriet. She grabbed the hat from the snow and ran. Yola Cutterin suddenly roared out of the trees beside her, and Margriet sprinted faster. She raced through the forest, gasping in relief when she saw a small, rickety hut through the trees. It was Helga's house. She was close. Margriet's heart was in her throat as her heavy boots slogged through the snow. She felt like she was moving so slowly. The cat yowled at her back, crashing through the forest with its ravenous screams. She didn't dare look back.
Marguerite's boots hit wood as she reached Helga's doorstep. She flung open the door and hurled herself inside. Helga and her parents were huddled by the fire, staring at Marguerite in alarm. Marguerite breathed deeply, not knowing how to explain herself. Should she tell them about Yola Cutterin? But she was too terrified to speak. Instead, she slowly held up the green hat, an offering to Helga. The girl stared at Marguerite questioningly, but Marguerite thrust it into her hands. Helga's pale face broke into a smile. She said, Mama was right. If I worked hard enough, I'd get new clothes for Christmas. Over her shoulder, Helga's mother stared at the hat in relief. It was clear that even though Helga had earned a garment, they hadn't been able to spare any wool for a gift. Helga then looked from the hat to Marguerite, suddenly sad. I would ask you to stay for dinner, but we don't have much. Marguerite felt ill. She'd gone to bed last night warm and with a full belly, yet she complained about not having as much as others. This was the kind of petulance and deceit that had gotten her brother killed. Her eyes filled with tears. No wonder Yola Cutterin chased her. She must have stunk with wretchedness. Marguerite thanked Helga and assured her that she wasn't hungry. Then she slipped outside. Marguerite stepped out into the cold, looking around nervously. The trees were still, and there was no sign of Yola Cutterin's mountainous form. She breathed in, relieved. She'd vanquished the cat. But she had not vanquished her guilt. Her brother was dead, and it was all because of her. She should be lying at the bottom of that gully. Her legs shook as she started home. She did not know what she would say to her mother. But she would not get the chance to say anything at all. The Yule Cat rose up from behind Helga's hut, its massive form looming over the pitiful shack. Marguerite turned slowly, beholding the colossal feline in all its murderous glory, and let out a blood-curdling scream. Yola Cutterin's paw lashed out, silencing her with a swipe to the chest. Its claws sank into her flesh and pushed her to the ground. Marguerite writhed in the snow beneath the cat's grasp, but her struggling only made the pain worse. Her horrified eyes met Yola Cutterin's, and she realized her error. She may have given away the hat, but it hadn't been for charity. It had been to save herself, and Yola Cutterin knew better. Marguerite took one last look at Helga's house. It suddenly didn't look so shabby. In fact, she would have given anything to trade places with Helga at that very moment. It was her last thought, as a searing pain ripped through her chest and the Yule Cat tucked into a Christmas feast. According to Reykjavik grapevine reporter Hooker S. Magnusson, the lore of the Yule Cat still affects Icelanders today. He writes, 
This is one of the reasons that Icelanders clock in more hours of overtime at their jobs than most European nations. To avoid the cat, we stayed up sewing or knitting in the olden days, and we stayed up graphic designing or stockbrokering in early 2008. Jola Kutterin has also given rich color to Iceland's Christmas traditions. It's still customary to give children an item of clothing on Christmas Eve, and Iceland's capital, Reykjavik, boasts a massive sculpture of the Yule Cat. Singer Björk has even recorded a popular rendition of the famed Jola Kutterin poem. The original tale of the Yola Kutterin has instilled terror in those who failed to finish their work. But the Yule Cat also leaves us with a slightly more encouraging moral directive. Work hard, but remember others who are not as fortunate. As Johannes Urkutlum's Yola Kutterin poem puts it, Perhaps you'll find some children that have nothing at all. Perhaps searching for those that live in a lightless world will give you a happy day and a merry, merry Yule. Sometimes it's easy to forget about those who have less than us, and a giant, bloodthirsty cat is definitely an effective way to remind us to help the less fortunate. And if you don't, Beware the low hiss that might echo outside your window on Christmas Eve. It may not be your adorable little tabby left out in the cold. It could be Yola Cutterin, ready to remind you of your wicked ways. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Kate Murdoch, with writing assistance by Alex Garland. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Listeners, there's no better time than right now to open your heart to the hit Spotify original from Parcast, Blind Dating. Every Wednesday, find out if personality alone is enough to make a love connection. Follow Blind Dating, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.